Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 38 of the IoT for All podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Chacon, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Hayden Cohen. And our guest today is Brian Jones of Dell Technologies. Brian is actually the Senior Vice President and General Manager of OEM, Embedded and Edge Solutions at Dell. In his role, he has basically a global responsibility for all aspects of embedding Dell technology within customer products and intellectual property that they take to market for their customers. His responsibilities include everything from sales, marketing, solutions, engineering, product development, operations, and finance. And he's been working with Dell for over 20 years now. So he has a lot of experience in, with Dell and been in the technology space for about 30 years. To give you a little insight into the OEM and Embedded Edge division of Dell, their focus is on leveraging Dell Technologies' seven strategically aligned businesses to offer customers a comprehensive set of tier one technologies and solutions that help compress their time to market and scale their solutions globally. So we got into a lot about edge computing and more about kind of what Dell's takes and focus is on IoT um, in, in this upcoming episode that you're about to listen to. To further break down the episode before we uh, get into it is we start out with talking to Brian about the focus at Dell as it relates to the IoT space and we get introduced to Dell Technologies as a whole, uh, kind of more what they're about, how they operate and so forth. And this includes talking about customer engagements, uh, use case examples, and then this is where we start to transition more into edge computing and talking about the benefits of edge computing, what edge computing actually is, and the challenges of using edge computing in IoT. This transitions us into talking more about IoT solutions in general. So we talk about unexpected challenges in deploying IoT solutions, you know, how IoT initiatives are being discovered or being created within large organizations and his experience engaging with those organizations to bring those solutions to life. Um, we then transition a bit more into 5G and connectivity, talking about the impact of 5G on the IoT space when we really think 5G is going to kind of really start impacting the IoT space and how far out we are from that. We talk about LP WAN a little bit, talking about those different technologies and the impact that they're seeing um, being had on on IoT solutions. Um, and then as we're starting to wrap up, we Hayden asked a good question about ROI and how ROI differs in different regions of the world and how are different regions of the world measuring ROI, like what really matters to them when they're deciding on what kind of IoT deployments to create and deploy. And then as we finally kind of get to the end here, we talk about the impact that IoT has on developing regions and how they impact or how those IoT solutions are impacting future growth of those regions. And then finally, we talk about what are Brian's expectations for IoT space over the next 12 to 18 months. So overall, very exciting episode. Brian's a great guest. We uh, hope to have him back at some point in the future. So we hope you found a lot of value in this episode. So without further ado, here's our episode with Brian Jones of Dell Technologies. Welcome, Brian, to the IoT for All show. How's your week going so far? Really well. Good stuff. Good. We're happy to have you here. Um, I want to start off by introducing uh, my co-host today. He's a brand new co-host, Hayden Cohen. Hey, do you want to give a quick background introduction, say hello to the audience. Sure, sure. I am, uh, my name is Hayden. I'm a project manager at Leverage, an IoT systems integrator and platform. I'm also a staff writer for IoT for All. This is my first podcast, living out my grandmother's dream <laughs> for me. Uh, really excited to be here, Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> he pitched us by saying he has a wonderful voice for radio. So I, we had to give him a chance. Um, so we're happy to, <laughs> we're happy to have him. Um, Brian, do you want to kind of follow that up with giving a little bit of background on yourself, introduce the audience to you a little bit more, talk about what, you, what you're what doing over at Dell? 
Sure. Uh, so, Brian, and I'm focused on a couple of things for the company. One, I run our embedded and IoT solutions division um, within, the, within the business. And then we have an IoT business unit that sits at the Dell Technologies level that I'm also uh, co-leading. Okay, great. Can you talk a little bit more about those divisions and um, specifically relating to the IoT side and what you're, what you're doing over there, what your focus is? Yeah, from an IoT perspective, I think there's a couple of things. One, the IoT business unit that we formed up is the first business unit that we formed at the Dell Technologies level. And so the, the opportunity there is to draw a, from the seven strategically aligned businesses that make up Dell Technologies mm -hmm. to help our customers create, implement, drive IoT solutions. So, so that's pretty straightforward. The reason um, we're also engaged in this is from an embedded technology solutions perspective, so the, the division that I run for the company, um, a, ma a majority of our customers have been doing IoT for you know 25 plus years, long before it had a name, long before it was uh, you know a big area of focus in the market. So they were putting sensors on machines, collecting data, and making business-driven decisions off of that data. Mm -hmm. And so there's just a natural progression and a natural connection between this 20-year-old business that we've built inside of Dell Technologies and the new business unit that we formed up around IoT specifically. Okay. I want to hear a little bit more about that in a second, but can you talk just at a high level Dell Technologies, what Dell Technologies is for anybody who, who's listening who may not be familiar? Because most times when people think of Dell, they're thinking of Dell computers, but I know there's a ton more that you guys do. So just kind of talking a little bit more about Dell Technologies specifically. Yeah, so Dell Technologies was formed up about two and a half years ago through the um, – Dell did an acquisition of the EMC Corporation. Okay. And so when you combine the two companies together, so Dell and EMC, into Dell Technologies, you have that Dell computer division that everyone kind of thinks of from a Dell perspective. But you also have VMware. Uh, you have our security um, solutions like RSA and SecureWorks. You have our um, traditional data center business, which is Dell EMC, um, Pivotal, which is where we um, help customers develop software solutions and applications, and then we bring all of that un under the Dell Technologies umbrella. Gotcha. So when you're working with customers, um, what does that kind of engagement look like? What types of customers are you working with? Are they, you know, Fortune 500 type companies? Are they, you know, small businesses? Is it or does it really vary? And just kind of at a high level, how does that engagement usually look? Yeah, so the engagement is really kind of spans um, customer segments and size and scope and, and global. So from an embedded technologies division, um, we are. We've been in business for about 20 years under the, the Dell umbrella. Uh, we, we do business around the globe. We work with customers all the way from really small um, you know, software developers that are building solutions that they want to couple with technology and take to market, all the way out to large multinationals you know, that are the household brand names that, that you're aware of. And so we work across that. But the, the, the key... Um, ingredient is really centered around this concept of design. So our customers have a uh, IP or technology that they want to combine with technology and create a new product. So we're in the business of helping our customers create new products. And, and that spans everything from a handful of developers in the Bay Area in a garage all the way out to a multinational that's you know headquartered anywhere in the world. Gotcha. Can you talk about any of those kind of product sure, sure. people have built yeah, one, yeah I think and crossing in between the IOT 
um, side of the world is like our probably our longest standing customer in the um, embedded division is um, Emerson. And so Emerson, a lot of folks think of Emerson for what they do around flow control and all of the technologies that they bring into say a refinery or uh, water processing plants or any, any number of those. And that's a company that's been in place for a really long time. They've been doing IoT really since, uh, you know, the inception of, of the businesses that they um, serve, right? So they take, uh, if you go by, drive by a five mile long refinery out in South Houston, um, you're going to find a bunch of technology from Emerson that is backstopped by uh, a Dell technology stack that runs the um, the software and the equipment that they they put into that equation. And so, you know, they've been doing IoT since before IoT had a name, right? right? So, adding adding sensors to their machines, collecting data, and making business decisions off of that data. Gotcha. Okay, great. Um, one of the I guess in our pre-show notes there was a. And I guess I don't know if it's more edge computing, but it's I mean obviously related to IoT, but it was more talking about computing on done at the edge regarding a refrigerator use case um, in stores, kind of monitoring the opening and closing of um, refrigeration units. I wondered if you could kind of expand on what that use case was and kind of the purpose of it, and then also tying that into the benefits of of edge computing in its role in IoT. Yeah, so I'll come back to, I, to edge computing because I think it's it's really an exploding um, part of the segment that you know we're very engaged in, and I think the industry overall is is really poised for some neat innovation in that space. But um, our cold chain solution is a, a, a solution that we partnered with um, a software company on that helped us develop. Um, a set of sensors that connects to a gateway that is really designed to help uh, a very large uh, North America-based retailer um, really manage their cold chain set of capabilities. Um, and and the, the, the joint solution is something we developed with a company called IMS Evolve. And so it's really designed around how do you put sensors in place, collect data through a, a Dell Technologies gateway, and then make decisions based on um, you know, availability, um, waste, um, checking usage, uh, really trying to save millions of dollars around um, not wasting resources uh, like food and, and processing food more effectively. Gotcha. Okay, great. So on the edge computing, let's come back to that for real quick. Um, can you explain to the audience kind of really what edge computing is and the benefit of moving things to the edge? It's even in a, in a use case like this refrigeration use case. Yeah, so I think when you look at you know the evolution of IoT, really, so some of the very first generation IoT solutions that were developed out out in the, the marketplace in the B2B space were really centered around how do you collect data and then get that data via the network or the cloud back to some central area to process it, make decisions on it, mine it for information. And that was really kind of the first generation of IoT um, uh, workloads, right? And I think what people found was, hey, there, that's good stuff. But there's as as the applications and the workloads became more complex, generated more data, it really doesn't make a lot of sense most of the time to send all of that data back over the network or over the cloud to a central location. And so edge computing says, let's comp let let's um, take the let's run the application, let's create the data, let's make decisions off of that data 
where the data is created. So right at the edge, right? And so it's saving around latency, it's saving around cost and complexity. You're only sending back the very, very essential data to that central point um, and aggregating that data back to the central point. So you're, you're really com um, focusing your computing capability and the application work as close to the activity as possible. And so with IMS Evolve, we were able to build a um, cold chain solution that allowed uh, a lot of um, capability within the store and within uh, these specific aisles without it having to bounce all the way back to a corporate headquarters, um, introducing latency, introducing complexity, introducing additional cost. And so to be able to do it in the store in, at the aisle is uh, much more cost effective, much faster, and again, helps save more dollars totally. and not so waste Brian, food. These uh, edge computing, especially for, for this specific use case, uh, obviously super important, super valuable. Can you speak to some of the challenges that you've seen uh, using edge computing in IoT use cases? Yeah, I think if you look at IoT, I mean, if you look at edge computing just overall, right? And so IoT is one, um, you know, one horizontal capability around what edge could do for you. I think one of the biggest challenges that um, face um, our customers and, and companies overall is what's the definition of edge, right? So if you're wearing a Fitbit, that is the edge of healthcare. If you're looking at a cold chain solution, that's a gateway and a sensor in this IMS Evolve solution. But when you're, you're talking about things like 5G, um, that is at the tower is a really healthy chunk of compute, storage, and networking all combined that for a small business would actually be sort of a data center. So I think that one of the biggest challenges is having the flexibility to understand the business requirements and then, you know, the freedom and capability to define edge and, and, and help implement that out there in a secure manner, in a scalable manner, and in a way that it's, you know, as, as cost effective as possible. Great. Yeah. Well, some outside of edge computing, in, in the engagements you've had with other customers, um, can you talk a little bit, kind of a follow-up to, to Hayden's point about just challenges you've come across? What other challenges have you guys seen in your engagements with customers um, just in, in the realm of IoT that maybe people don't expect, people don't think about before they kind of go down the path of trying to build a product? Yeah, I think IoT has... Um, is rapidly evolving into, and, and, and it also varies by region. If you'd like, we can talk about that for a second too. But I think IoT is, has definitely evolved from, you know, it started out a number of years ago as sort of a, hey, I can afford sensors now. I've got network connectivity. I've got this compute power. I should probably do something with it. And, and it was a lot in the early days was, was really centered around sort of a kind of a science experiment or, or you know, a, a project that didn't have clear ROI, didn't have a clear business impact. And so we found that a lot of IoT activity really stalled. And so what we've seen in the last, say, 12 to 18 months is, you know, customers and, and companies have said, you know what, I need to build a solution that has a clear set of business outcomes, a clear set of business impacts, 
with a clear set of ROI and I need to narrow my focus and my, my capabilities down to that design element. And so we've seen a tremendous jump forward in solutions in the IoT space because they're really focused on solving business problems rather than just the um, creating something because you could. And so I think that's probably... Um, one of the biggest, most encouraging things we've seen in the IoT space is it's it's come out of the lab, it's come out of the experiment, and into the forefront of how customers are um, collecting data to make informed business decisions, how companies are building solutions to help them deliver that, and you know how we're empowering that through the technology we provide into this space. Awesome. You you spoke a little bit about how design is really important, especially for specific business use cases to solve a, a problem potentially specific to that company or business unit. How much do you think IoT is always going to be specific in the space in, in the sense of we're building one use case that's going to service one, uh, one customer? Or, or can these solutions be scaled to uh, many different customers? No, that's that's a that's a phenomenal question. I think that was a really um, early IoT days challenge. Was everything was a snowflake, right? You could get uh, a sensor. You built a really custom device to work with that sensor, um, and I think that was one of the big challenges, right? It's it's really hard to scale. It was really hard to implement on a global basis. Um, and, and so I think that was a, a really big challenge in the early days of IoT. But IoT has come a, a long way, a, a much further forward. And so there's more standardization. Uh, there's more um, ability to create scale and capability. And so one of the things that we've been focusing on from an IoT perspective is helping customers make decisions on technology and, and on the right um, platforms so that they don't create a technology cul-de-sac or a a, a such a unique um, set of capabilities that if anything in their supply chain goes wrong, you know they're they're limited in what they can do. And so again, it's part of why we've we've put IoT with our embedded solutions because we leverage the power of the Dell Technologies supply chain to really help customers do three things. One, how do we help you compress your time to market? Two, build it on a non-snowflake, build it on something that can be scaled, and then three, how do you scale the thing globally? And so I do think that the market is starting to come around to a more industry standard set of solutions, and that's because the cost of computing, the cost of networking, um, the cost of storage continues to go down, and, and we're driving the complexity out of it. So I do think you're see starting to see more standardization there and less snowflakes. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And as the cost and... Uh complexity of deploying IoT solutions decrease while standardization increases, um, how can large organizations or how do you see large organizations begin to implement these? Are, are there individuals in the organization that are kind of acting as catalysts? Do you see many large organizations really putting an emphasis on IoT? Where do you see the trend going? Yeah, where I see um, probably the most momentum um, and, and again, it varies somewhat by regions, right? So when you are in the APJ region, there's a tremendous amount of investment going and a very active set of work streams around smart cities and digital cities and enabled cities. 
um, where I think that that was a, a, uh, an area where um, in North America there was a lot of interest, but it was it's been slower to get off the ground. And I think EMEA is sort of kind of splitting the difference. Um, I think you know where we see that in an organization, if it's a really large organization, like say a multinational that's trying to figure this out, you know, you're starting to see titles like Chief Digital Innovation Officer, right? So these innovation officers are really um, looking at a couple of things for their companies. How do they create these connected solutions for their customers? But also, how do they take the, the data lakes that they've created through, say, 20, 25, 30, 100 years uh, of business use cases and, and monetize that and bring that to market. So I think that's occurring as well. Now, it, it's certainly not just the purview of a, a large multinational. We see a lot of innovation that's occurring around the IoT software space that says, hey, I'm, I'm developing a solution. I know I need a sensor. I know I need a gateway. I need somebody that can help me scale that. That's kind of where we come in and what we focus on. And so we've got solutions. Um, and, and we're working with you know even small companies that are building solutions uh, that are taking IoT to what I also think is the next level to which is again away from this kind of customized snowflake approach to more of a horizontal approach across a number of verticals. And so when we see customers and companies doing that, we see them getting the most out of it. We see them getting uh, making progress, and we think that that horizontal use case across a bunch of verticals is starting to serve uh, the, the industry well, too. How many times do you, when you're working with customers, do they kind of come to you with one use case, but um, I guess in a sense, looking for something that can go across, you know, multiple verticals because, you know, we've worked with and been, had exposure to companies who kind of, you know, you come in there, you deploy, you know, let's say your own network within their, let's say factory for one use case, but they're going to, you know, basically have, let's say five, six other use cases that they're hoping to be on a piggyback off that same network installation to, um, to basically, you know, I guess, cr increase the efficiencies within their, their factory or whatever um, it may be. Yeah. So how many, how many times do you guys kind of work with a customer and try to, from the early stages of planning, plan for multiple use cases across the board? Or is it usually kind of coming for you, coming to you to, to work on you know, one use case and then we'll see how it goes. And if the ROI is, um, is realized, we'll, we'll, you know, kind of expand from there. Yeah, I think... Um originally we would see, hey, I've got this really specific thing I want to go do. I've right. figured out how I can put a sensor on it. I figured out how I can collect the data. And I'm going to uh, I'm going to go do that and kind of figure it out from there. I think, you know, more and more customers are moving away from that, right? And I, now, there may be very specific um, use cases and, and, and workloads that that makes sense for, right? And so in industrial automation, um, uh, you know, in manufacturing, in any number of, uh, of places, I think you can still build an ROI off of a single use case. But more and more companies are saying, hey, I, you know, I know that I can collect data. I know that I can um, analyze that data at the edge with edge computing. And I know that I can um, use a set of gateways or capabilities um, to make all that happen. And so what I think we, we find a lot of is We've got this general idea of something we want to do. Uh, we think this is going to be good for you know a, a couple of industries or a couple of different workload capabilities. Um, but the, the really interesting thing about the technology, and again, because things are becoming less expensive, smaller, um, bandwidth is more ubiquitous, 
all of these things are becoming building blocks that you know the 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 really innovate uh, the, the companies that are really innovating are building you know capabilities that uh, unleash and 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 harness a tremendous amount of opportunity across a bunch of different workloads. And so, like a, a, a couple of examples come to mind. Um, you know, we were working with a, a, a very traditional manufacturing company in Italy that builds very high-end um, components for um, automobiles. And they were very specific to kind of this one line, this one part of um, their production was where they uh, could see uh, benefit from an IoT application. It really quickly turned into how do they create a connected manufacturing facility and working across a bunch of different machines and you know brand new machines old machines different protocols different because they built the software they built the capability they'd selected partners that had multiple um, use case opportunities in that space one one question i kind of have is sort of related to this is when customers i don't know if it necessarily happens in in your line of work per se but do you do you foresee kind of the future of IoT being companies kind of seeing what other companies are doing and learning what is advertised out there by, you know, companies like yourself basically selling solutions and saying, oh, that solution applies to what I do or the other way around where it's I kind of in our internal meetings, we found a problem we're looking to solve. Can IoT solve that problem or do you think it's going to be a mixture until it gets to a certain point? I think it's going to I think it's going to continue to be a mixture. I think it has definitely evolved from one problem, one type of solution. Um, I think people are trying to look at you know things more holistically. Um, they're looking at the, the manufacturing facility, not the line. Mm-hmm. I think um, I think that is is where things are going. I, I do think that there's always a tremendous amount of innovation that occurs from looking around and and even adjacencies and and industries that aren't necessarily. Um, directly connected. Maybe they're not even competitors. They're not even in the same um, geography. I think there's a lot that can be learned um, across that. And so we do see a lot of, I would say, borrowing of ideas yep. or borrowing of approaches. And so I I think, you know, w- where we find the most interesting designs is where people are designing around a set of capabilities and business impacts and then making it available to the market as a a basic building block and you know candidly like we will think we'll be working on a project and we think this thing is going to have an output of a and b and c and then we show it to um you know, we'll show one of our customer solutions to a, another industry because we think there's some adjacency. And they will come up with completely different use cases, completely different opportunities for it that we never thought of. And I think one of the trends that's, that is going to continue to ignite that is going to be 5G. And so I think there's a tremendous amount of innovation and there's people that are sitting in a garage right now thinking about an idea and they're saying, man, if I just had zero latency and ubiquitous access, I can make this idea fly. And that's the reality of what 5G is going to provide. And so I think, again, if you're looking at, like, when you really try to tie down the use case to one very specific thing, I think you're you're really missing the opportunity for a great design to, to really um, jump boundaries, jump verticals, um, jump regions even. 
So regarding 5G, how far out do you think we actually are of 5G being something that's really impactful in in IoT? Yeah, I think that you know the major cities, the major metropolitan areas are going to get it first. I think the coverage, uh, the the fact that it requires a lot more towers and a lot uh, a lot more coverage mm-hmm. to be able to build the latency. I still think we are, depending upon the market you're in, um, I think we're you know a good two to three years out okay. before it's going to deliver on everything that it can. I think that where there is some interesting stuff is uh, that's going to happen first is going to be in private networks. So, you know, you know companies are going to put private 5G in place and that's going to like set off a set of capabilities in the IoT space that um, gives you the ability to create these amazing campus solutions, um, maybe even regional solutions. But, uh, you know, it's going to take a while, right? And, and, and it varies by market. I think North America will probably get there first. I think, uh, you know, Japan is investing very heavily in this space, but uh, EMEA obviously has um, a, a lot of hotspots around Germany, UK, France. Uh, the Nordics are going to be um, early adopters. But one of the ones that I'm, I'm uh, really bullish on is India. I think India is, you know, going to literally, you know, jump technologies and skip whole technologies um, to get in on 5G and get the benefit from it. And so we've been spending some time there recently, and we've seen a tremendous amount of opportunity in that space as well. I find it really interesting that IoT adoption is different in uh, the different regions in the world. Can you talk a little bit about uh, how different regions measure ROI? Because we know that in Europe, and in Asia, there's a larger focus on smart cities. And like you said, we're a little delayed here in the U.S. and maybe North America overall. Uh, how are different regions measuring uh, ROI in terms of money or other edge benefits? Yeah, no, no. I think that's, I think that's a great question. When you look at – so I, you know, we just uh, made a tour through India, and we had four of the – the major metropolitan areas and the amount of work and energy that's going into digital cities, connected cities is um, astounding. I mean, it's really impressive. And, you know, they are very centered on, you know, how do they improve quality of life? How do they um, deliver better services to their, um, uh, you know, to their population? How do they create um, opportunity for more business. And so I think what's really interesting for me in that space is, you know, there weren't, there were some very traditional ROI metrics of, yeah, I need to get more efficiency out of my trash collection. Yeah, cool, got it. But that's kind of everywhere. But then there was a, a whole host of other softer ROIs that, um, you know, they're very focused on in the India market because, uh, you know, they're really trying to, again, leapfrog um, entire sectors of capabilities and technologies, and they see it through the lens of a connected city and, and creating the infrastructure that's going to empower that. I think that's really interesting. I think that what you see in North America is, you know, it, it's almost a there's a, a there's a bit of protectionism around the investments that that cities have already made. So you know when you when you sit down with a, a city manager or 
uh, a mayor or a, you know the really large cities that have a digital innovation officer um, you know they'll say yeah yeah that's really cool I, I'm really interested in that that's great but I've got all of this legacy stuff over here that I've got to have um, incorporated into that I'm like okay yeah got it but you know there's a lot of you've made a bunch of disparate decisions and so I think that's somewhat paralyzing in North America I think when you look at EMEA um, EMEA is kind of splitting the difference there's but I, I think the thing that's driving it is um, if it's a nice to have it takes a while it's there's a bunch of constraint around existing infrastructure and protecting your legacy and heritage stuff but in places like india um you know what we're seeing in in uh vietnam south korea uh singapore you know people are just saying hey i see the benefit i'm gonna i'm going to i'm willing to sacrifice some of this legacy stuff just to get further faster forward and so um, I am very fascinated with the fact that um, IoT is very different uh, around the globe, and I, I think that you know there's an opportunity for some of these developing economies uh, to to put themselves in a better position over time uh, through the use of technology, and so that's it's very encouraging to me. Yeah, I find that super interesting as well, and this could be a really tough question to answer because uh, I don't know if there is a solid answer. It's kind of predicting the future, but. Do you see that investment in smart city technology and connected technologies uh, in developing regions as worthwhile? Do you think it's going to set up regions like the U.S. and other countries that are not investing in these technologies, put them at a disadvantage in the future versus those, uh, those regions in industry, et cetera? Yeah, I, I think that it's it's a speed to innovation and it's a speed to impact question, right? So I don't think that the, the North American cities are going to uh, be at a disadvantage necessarily, but they're not going to get to the, the same level of innovation that's occurring in some of the, the uh, especially the, um, the Asian markets, right? And so um, I don't know that it's, it's a... I don't know that it's a disadvantage, but I do think it's a differentiator. And so when companies are looking at where do I place my next big investment, um, I think companies are going to say, how digitally connected is this city? How, uh, how much are they spending on this? How aggressively they're spending on this? So I do, I, I do think that there's definitely going to be some, some checklist that says, hey, this region is more appealing to us across a bunch of different vectors but this is going to be a big vector and i think you know you're you're seeing but you are seeing some some really innovative stuff occurring here in in north america i think the biggest challenge is in the north america space there's just a huge investment been in technology and so they do have legacy systems they're trying to protect but it's also rising above all the noise that occurs in the north american market around innovation in general to to um, get credit for what you're doing. So um, I do think that you know uh, a lot of these cities see this as a differentiator, as a way to attract new business, as a way to attract um, you know new innovation. And you know you've got some really cool stuff going on in places like Vietnam, in places like South Korea, India. Um, there's a number of, of of things that I think are going to. As, as innovation dollars and uh, investment capital becomes available, 
it's going to become more and more competitive for um, countries and regions that it hasn't been as competitive in the past. You knew you could park it in the Valley, you could park it in the Nordics, you could park it in Israel, and it was going to thrive. Now you've got five extra opportunities around the globe. And then those opportunities are also coupled with the cost of capital, the cost of labor, the, um, the willingness for the government to invest. And so I think when you combine all those things together, we are shrinking this globe through technology and through things like IoT as quickly as we can uh, from every facet in the industry. And I think it's only good for, um, it, it only pr presents better things for the consumer, the end user. To, again, the enablement of uh, of progress through technology is something that Michael founded the company on, and it, it's what gets us really excited and, and makes us really optimistic about the market. Is that your pitch to a mayor or a digital transformation officer when uh, speaking about the topic? Yeah, you know, it, it's there's a couple of things that that I think we are very um, specific about when we go in and we have these conversations. Is um, listen, it's not a matter of um, if you should do this, it's when you should do it and how quickly can you do it? And are you willing to take some risk to get there? Right. And, um, I see a, a bunch of these developing regions that are willing to take risks and willing to kind of stick their neck out and get on with it. Um, I think that's a big part of it. But the other thing that we also, um, talk about a lot in this space is, um, the system of systems, the, you know, the, the digital city, is made up of a bunch of projects, right? And the projects are where ROI can be measured most efficiently and, and also quickest. And so, you know, we're very, very specific about having a conversation that says, hey, don't worry so much about your, your, um, your system of systems. Let's get impact out of what you're trying to solve for. And then we can stitch those things together at a more macro level. And so that's another part we talk about. You can get paralyzed if you um, fixate on the city. You can make real impact through video surveillance, through computer vision, through monitoring and sensors. If you kind of get down into the, okay, what what problems or what civil, municipal, state problems are we trying to solve? And how do we make that more real? Which, which ties back to one of the very first things we were talking about in IoT is it can't be a science experiment. It can't be a lab project. It needs to be a practical thing that has impact for a city, a municipality, a state, and, and then you measure it accordingly. Yeah, I, so there's a couple of things regarding this topic that are interesting. Is one is anytime you deal with the government, it's never going to be an easy process, at least in the United States, right? It's, it's always re relatively difficult to get anything initiated and move through due to funding, due to old ways of thinking, legacy systems, kind of like you mentioned. So I'd be curious to, to find out over time what it takes to really change those mindsets to maybe be a little bit more uh, okay with taking risks for the technology's benefit. And the other thing um, that I wanted to bring up was regarding kind of thinking about those deployments and things that are actually going to make a real impact. And I know everybody raves about 5G and talks about how great 5G will be when it gets here. But in reality, I think 5G handles only a certain amount of use cases that could benefit cities and you could see an ROI on. But if you look at kind of the other side of it, something that can lead to more scale, that's when you start getting into these LP WAN technologies and you start talking about MBIOT, LTM, LoRa, and so forth, how 
the cost is being driven down on the modules and then devices. And a lot of the use cases that are driven around these, um, around this kind of connectivity leads to, um, at least from what we've seen, a lot of scale opportunities and actual ROI for the use cases. I'm curious to get your thoughts on how you think um, the connectivity kind of plays into uh, or the connectivity technology itself and the evolution of it will play into those scaled deployments for cities or any other industry that, that you know, is looking to kind of see the ROI to prove to themselves that, you know, maybe IoT is something that we should actually be doing. Yeah, you know, I think what we think in this space is, yeah, 5G is amazing stuff and it's going to provide a tremendous amount of fuel for innovation, but it's going to do it in very specific spaces first and it's going to take it a while to be truly ubiquitous and truly available you know, everywhere at a cost-effective space, right? So what we see for 5G and where we're really focused on in 5G is 5G is part of a connectivity portfolio. Mm -hmm. So any number of the other technologies you've already hit on are equally important. It's part of a portfolio of connectivity. And so where you have the ability to leverage 5G, you should. Where you have the ability for um, WAN-type connectivity, um, you should. And and it's not either or, it's an and. And, and I think 5G will find its place in the um, infrastructure architecture that people will design into cities, industries, um, manufacturing, um, automation. You know, we haven't even talked about what uh, a big place that we're investing in right now is in machine learning and artificial mm -hmm. intelligence. You know, that takes a big uh, chunk of edge computing capabilities that then, you know, needs um, network bandwidth and capability and connectivity, you know, a multi-cloud approach. Um, I don't think it's ever one size fits all. So I don't see 5G. I see 5G as an amazing um, enabler, but I don't see it as a silver bullet that solves everything. It, it, the, the companies that are going to be successful, the municipalities that are going to be successful, are going to be the ones that look across the continuum and say, what do I have? What can I get to? What can I afford? How do I take advantage of this stuff? But I think one of the things that, that we really stress to our customers is, hey, don't make um, technology decisions that are based on proprietary technologies or cul-de-sacs in the technology food chain uh, because it limits you. And, and so you want, you know, we built the company on the, the, the uh, approach of uh, open set of standards always wins mm -hmm. in the end. And so you want, you want to be able to continue to leverage that because what you're really trying to do, what, what every um, environment is trying to do, uh, in the, whether it's an IoT space, embedded solutions, um, digital smart cities, connected cities, industries, you're really trying to innovate at the speed of technology now. Technology is no longer a barrier to innovation, it is the actual accelerant of it. And so you gotta make decisions that are going to leave you with as many wide open choices as possible. And connectivity is a big part Absolutely. of that. I think this is kind of a great way, great place to kind of wrap up here. I just, I wanna ask you two final questions. The first one, um, kind of what are you projecting to see over the next, let's say 12 to 18 months in the IoT space, or what are you most excited about kind of paying attention to and hoping happens? Yeah, I think the, the the expansion and the flexibility of the definition of edge computing, right? Okay. I think I think the companies that are, um, you know, and, and even we started in this space. We thought edge was embedded PCs and gateways. 
and we found that that is part of edge, but it's not all of edge. And so I think the thing that I am most um, optimistic about, the thing that I feel like is going to deliver the most business impact um, to our clients and to their customers is going to be this ability to flex the definition of what is edge computing and, and how do I take advantage of it combining things like artificial intelligence and machine learning and all the things that can go into that. That's probably the thing that I'm most bullish on and most optimistic about. Great. Uh, last question. If people listening to this have any follow-up questions or things they want to learn more about what you're doing, uh, what's the best way to connect with you or your group, um, whatever you think is the best? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think probably a great starting point is uh, just going out to DellTechnologies.com. You can find our OEM embedded business there. You can find our IoT stuff there. There's a bunch of use cases and customer examples out there. But it's a great place to start because it's where everything comes together for what we do and what we deliver in this space. Sounds good. We'll, we'll make sure we link all that up in the description and all the notes and all that stuff that we're sharing. Um, but thanks again, Brian. We really appreciate your time. I know Hayden and I both enjoy talking to you, learning a ton about what you guys have going on over there at Dell. Uh, a lot of information I think our audience is going to find very useful. So thanks again for your time and hope to have you back sometime in the future. Yeah, thank you very much. It's uh, It's been great to spend some time with you. And Hayden, well, you have a voice made for radio. <laughs> I have a face made for radio. So we're very aligned. I'm happy to be part of the part of the tribe. Hayden, I, have a, I have a face a, yeah, made for radio Hayden's as well. Hayden's a double threat. Hayden has both. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Oh my god. All right. Yeah, thank All you. right. Well, I think that's a good place to wrap it up. Thank you, Brian. Yeah, thanks, Brian. Appreciate it, man. All right, everyone. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the IoT for All podcast with our guest Brian Jones of Dell Technologies. We hope you found a lot of value in it. If you did find a lot of value in it, we um, hope that you will leave a rating or review on whichever platform you're listening to us on. It helps others find it and it lets us know that you're a fan, which is pretty cool. If you haven't subscribed, please subscribe. Um, so make sure you get the latest episode anytime uh, we release one, which we're trying, we're trying right now to do one a week. Um, so we're trying to keep up with that trend and we hope you guys appreciate that and are finding... Um, a lot of value in, in the content we're putting out there. If you have any ideas or suggestions on ways we could improve or things you like uh, or guests for the podcast, please feel free to reach out and let us know. Uh, but thanks again for listening and we appreciate your time.